being on vacation last week. Um, Praise the Lord for times of rest that he builds into our um, schedules sometimes. And uh, I was grateful for that, but grateful to be back with you. And we're going to be continuing our sermon series on um, a life of love. And I am going to ask if you did not get one of the handouts as you came in on 1 Corinthians 13 to raise your hand and um, someone will bring you one. This sermon is going to um, be a little bit more of a teaching sermon. And um, so there's a handout and you can take a few notes on that or have it to, um, looks like maybe Dane or um, Nick. Could you help Vic? Because there's people on both sides that need them. Grab a few and pass them out. While um, they're passing out those, I want to just kind of refresh us of where we've been. Get your hand up high so they'll see you. Um, Where have we been in this sermon series? First of all, Mark started off, you remember Mark Essenberg preached, and um, he preached on the Great Commission and how we're to go and take God's love story all the way to the ends of the earth. And so um, we take this story of love and how that ties in with our church's vision that we exist to see God's love change our hearts, our neighborhood, and the world. Then we looked at, well, what is love? And what is the greatest commandment? And it started with love, hero Israel, love the Lord. He is one. And so love starts with him. And love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You remember that? So love starts with God. He is one. He is whole. He's holy love. And we respond back to him in love. Then Pastor Jaleesa, I listened to her sermon online. Did you know you can do that? So not only can you listen to it on Sunday morning, but if you think, I want to hear that again, or if you miss a Sunday, you can uh, click on that. Man, oh man, did I love her opening illustration when um, she was talking about making ice. You remember her first job when she was 14, and she was on her first day, and then all of a sudden the trainer was leaving her, and just she was going to make snow cones as a 14-year-old. And they said, just go make ice. And how Jesus had said to the disciples, I'm going to be leaving. Just go love each other. Go love the world and go make disciples. And, um, and how, well, how do we do that? Well, actually, it starts with his love in us. And he modeled love. And so we love is the kingdom building block, she said. And so this week, there was a different passage initially um, planned to, but I just did not have peace about it. And I checked with a few people and it seemed right to um, change it because it felt like we needed to look a little bit more. What does love look like in practicality? And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13 because if our vision as a church is to see God's love changing our hearts and then our neighborhood and the world, we really need to get a handle on what love looks like. And so um, we're going to spend a little time in 1 Corinthians 13 this morning. And um, in your Bibles, it's on page... 1785, thank you. And in the the Christian Reformed Church, we can preach from the New International Version or the New Living Translation um, are a couple of translations that our denomination really appreciates us using. And I want to use that New Living Translation. It uses words that maybe are just a little easier to understand. And so read along in your Bible, but if you hear it not being word for word exactly like the translation in front of you, that's because I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. 
1 Corinthians 13, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, that's when Jesus comes back, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I now know is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that is our text this morning. That's our sermon um, foundation. All right, sometimes words just escape you. All right, so that's our sermon text. And I want to say that when pastors bring a passage, it's not like we just walk around with all this knowledge. We spend time studying Bibles, commentaries, prayer, Um, And so I want to give credit for a couple of um, resources that were really helpful in putting together this outline and thinking about this passage. One is Rick Renner's Sparkling Gems from the Greek Language, and the other is an IVP New Testament commentary on 1 Corinthians. All right? So credit being given where credit is due. I want you to hear a story of love, and Dwayne, I'm going to ask that you come up now. I um, called Dwayne and asked him, hey, Dwayne. Would you be um, willing to think about this question? Has God's love been shown to you through Gold Avenue Church? Has God's love impacted you in some way through the church? And he said yes. And immediately some things came to mind. And so now this morning, he's had so much time to think about it that he said, how much time do I have? So um, anyway, he's got a lot to share with us. And um, so, Lord, I just pray right now that as Dwayne gets ready to share, that you would help him to um, bring it to what it is that you would have us to hear about this church and the love that he's received and his family's received through this church. Amen. Well, I don't really know where to begin because i got a lot to, to uh, say. 
I'm going to hold the microphone for you because I can see you need your hands. (laughs) Well, I came to this church through a friend called Jerry Guyvet. He's a really good friend. But let me get back to how I really met him. I lost my job, so my wife came to this church to get some food. And uh, so we, we, were, we didn't have any money, and the church gave us a bunch of food. We ate food, and I was so happy. But the gentleman who came over to bring the food was Jerry Gavette and Mike McMullen. And Mike uh, is not here anymore. He's in another state. He just retired. And Jerry Gavette, he's not here anymore. Either. He passed on. But he's always here because he's in my mind all the day, every day. Well, this may get back to my story. <clears throat> well, he came over, brought a bunch of food to us, and every Saturday there's a call, there was a calling team here on, at Gold Avenue Church. I can name some names, Chet Glass, Jerry Guyvette, Mike McMullen, and there was many others. Uh, if I don't forget your name and you're here, I'm sorry. Uh, but Jerry made an impact on my life. He kept coming back. You know, Sometimes I wasn't there because I worked a lot, and so he would come at night and always invited me to come to church. Well, my wife told, told him, you'll never get him into church. He'll never go. Well, here I am today in church because of his persistence. He kept coming, you know, and even no matter where I was in, in my life, I was drinking beer, and I'd hide it from him, and he'd see me drinking on the side, and he'd say, don't worry about that. The Lord will take care of that. And, yeah, and he did. I didn't well, longer have the... the and asked me to have beer, and I don't, it don't even bother me at all. But the real story is that he kept coming back, not just to tell me about who God is, but to be my friend and to love me. You know, he loved on me no matter where I was in my life. And he kept coming and kept coming. He came a really good family friend. We played ball together. We went out together. We went to eat. And he, he finally, you know, he didn't invite me to church right away because he, he knew my wife told him I wouldn't come. But eventually he asked me if I wanted to come, and I came to church on Sunday, and I, and I really was blessed by it, by the music. But the real story is that he, he loved on me and kept loving on me and loving on me no matter where I was, no matter what I did. One day he, he came to pick me up to go to church, and I told him, no, I'm not coming. And he, he said, that's okay. And then the next time he came back the following Sunday, and I came. So, uh, you know, but he loved on me. He kept coming back and loving on me. And then there was another gentleman here, Stan Myers, who uh, practically uh, built my house. And not and built my house through love. He came every Saturday for for probably a year and a half straight. Every Saturday he came to my house and helped me work on my house. But he's always t- told me a story about scripture, about John the Baptist and about other workers in the Bible and the love that he was shown. And he showed that to me no matter what. He came over on Saturday mornings with a hangover. I'd have a hangover. He'd, I wasn't even up sometimes. He'd knock on the door, wake me up. And he knew that that night I was drinking, but that's okay. He still, he still came and still worked in my house and still told me stories about the scriptures. And I'll never forget that. But love is 
us, the community, the church, coming out to my home and seeing me where I'm at and showing me and showering me with love. Another, I didn't ask for permission for this, but I lost my job. And the gentleman here who had a, a business hired me right away. Didn't ask questions. I never painted in my life. But he put me to work. And I was so happy for that because I needed a supply from my, my family. That's what love is. That's what love is in the church. And one more time, one more little bit. I, I got hit by a car in the year 2000. Just the week, the night before that, Sunday night, here at Gold Avenue Church, as we was coming to church here, my kids came first for Sunday school. I, you know, I didn't really come to church back when my kids were coming. But year 2000, my my son knocked out his teeth on Sunday night here in here in the basement at church. So, you know, so we had to rush him to the hospital. Took him to the hospital. We'll, we'll get rid of that then. So Monday Monday on my way home from work, you know, I'm thinking. I was going to start my own business. I'm going, I was going to go meet some entrepreneurs. I would have started a business. Well, the Lord told me I don't need to be doing that. You know, I, I knew in my mind this, this is way after I was taught through the scriptures in the last few years, that going through the sermons we went to, is that he didn't want me to start my own business. You know, I, I had my cards all filled out. I, was, I had a truck I was getting ready to buy. Well, I got hit. I, you know, I was working out. I was a lot stronger than I was now. Well, I'm away home from work. I got hit by a car. You know, and the doctors, you know, well, I'll get past all the rest. Well, that Monday night, the whole men's life Bible study came to my, to, up to the hospital. I, w- I was just coming to. I wasn't really sure. I, I was thinking, why are these men in my bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could hear their voices. I wasn't really awake. My eyes wasn't open. I couldn't really see them. But I could hear Chet Glass, and I could hear Dick Breckenridge, who also passed on. I could, they have distinct voices, so I could hear them talking to me, and I'm thinking, I couldn't figure out, why are they in my bedroom? You know, I was under a bunch of drugs because I was in pain and stuff. So, you know, that was showing me love. They didn't even know me, and they came up there and visited me. That's what love is. That's what love is. Let's, um, let's thank the Lord before we move on. Lord, thank you. Thank you for showing your love through the church to Duane and his family. Lord, thank you for the stories that you've brought to, back from memory to be able to share with us. Lord, we um, thank you that Duane hasn't just held on to that love, but that he's been serving and loving others. And so, Lord, um, I pray that you would use his story to encourage and inspire and spur us all on toward love and good deeds. Lord, um, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. We could almost just go ahead and say amen, right? Yeah. So a story of love. Love is needed. Um, If we've got every kind of good gift, but if we don't have love, it's worthless, right? Duane was not a project. He's a person that has value 
and the church reached out. And so they had lots of gifts. They had lots of skills. They could have just come over and built the house and not talked to him, or they could have just dropped off food. But no, it had to be undergirded with love. And so the primary sign that the Spirit of God is present and freely operating is love, if you're filling in the blanks. Love within a Christian community and then through that community to the world. This first section, the first Corinthians 13, those first three verses would be summed up that love is needed. Love is necessary. It undergirds. It's part of every, um, every gift, needs to every skill, every attempt that we have to try to advance God's kingdom. It needs to start with this foundation of love. Otherwise, it's nothing. And we see that if we don't go out in love, then we just are working on a project, and people sense that. If they sense, oh, I'm just your pet project. Nobody wants to be somebody else's pet project. No. We want to be recognized as people valued because we're made in the image of God. And each one of our neighbors is made in the image of God. And so we're going out looking for how is God at work in this neighborhood? Where is he already there? And how can I come along and um, be a source of love and encouragement? The second section, this verses um, 4 to 8 or 7, are talking about characteristics of love. And so first of all, love is action. You evaluate love based on what it does and what it doesn't do. And so if we hold up this passage of scripture, it acts like a mirror to our lives to say, hey, Pastor Gina, are you loving? I just read these things and the Lord shows me, am I acting this way or am I not acting this way? And so he does that for each of us. Love is action. And the word agape love, that word agape is a word that there's several different words in scripture that are translated in English love. But this agape is a divine, unconditional love. It's love that comes from God. It's unconditional, ever going, 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 always persevering love. It's the kind of love that God expects every believer to demonstrate in our lives. Some of the other words that are translated love is like um, phileo, which is a brotherly kind of love, you know, kind of a sibling kind of love, a friendship kind of love. Um, there's love that is more of um, eros. It's more the sexual kind of love between husband and wife that God designed. Um, but this love is unconditional love coming from God. And it's one that the church in Corinth was struggling with. They weren't loving each other well. And so it was resulting in divisions, in jealousy, in pride, and it was hurting their witness. And that's why Paul took time to talk about what love looks like and describe this love. Agape love is one that gives and gives and gives, even if it's not responded to or thanked or acknowledged. Think about how long it was probably before Dwayne here's. You know, some of the guys coming over, but it took a while. Yeah? Yeah. Probably took more than a visit or two years to go and build a relationship. And they, they were showing agape love as they went out to visit Duane. 
Agape love is a decision to keep on loving regardless of the response. It's the highest level and most notable form of love. Christian love, one author says, is the identification of ourselves with God's interest in others. And so what's on God's heart becomes what's on our heart. We start to identify with the Lord and what his love is for those around us. So then we look at these verses in 4 to 7, and we see 15 characteristics of love. Now this could, take a, this could be like a whole sermon series itself, and so I'm going to um, just give you the quick couple of words about each one. How many of you would say, I'm a really patient person? Yeah, there's a few of you. Well, patience isn't necessarily something that's all of our strong suits. And I am not necessarily always a patient person. We had a tree that blew over in our front yard. And um, I'm like, those strong winds this spring. And I'm thinking, all right, let's get this thing. But I can't do it. But let's get this thing chopped up, hauled away, roots out, grass planted. And then the neighbor tells us, oh, you know, that was a spruce tree. And your ground might, the pH might be bad, so you better, you know, it might need to have some lime added to it or something. You better go get the pH tested on your grass. And um, I thought, oh, for goodness sakes, you know, we got to do all these steps. I just want to get some, you know, grass back there because there's this big bare spot in our front yard. And um, so anyway, then I go to Fruit Basket Flowerland and take this sample of dirt. You know, here you go with your baggie into the store and you feel kind of embarrassed like you're carrying a bag of dirt with you and anyway and then um, she goes oh this really isn't dirt this is really kind of debris she goes this is just mainly needles and um, she she said you need to get rid of all the needles we're talking like a 12 13 foot you know, diameter or whatever across the circle, you know, like it's a big area. And they're saying, get rid of all the needles. Well, how would you do that? Oh, well, you just take a staple gun, some two-by-fours, get a screen, you know, and then you shake the dirt and you shovel it and then you shake and you get rid of all the needles and then you put that dirt back in there. And I'm thinking, how long? You know, is there a quicker way to do this? Well, you can shovel two or three inches of dirt out of that spot and then fill it with topsoil and then put your grass seed down. (sighs) Friends, that just let me know I am not the most patient person. Um, So patience, patience in relationships. How many of you, you know, kind of struggle with patience in relationships? Come on now, come on, don't you get it? Aren't you, um, aren't you going to, move on, do whatever I think you need to do to improve or whatever. Oh, patience is being slow to lose tolerance with others or long-suffering, forbearance. You patiently wait until a person finally comes around, makes progress, changes, or hears what you're trying to communicate. I wonder how many times... Jerry came over to work at Duane's and told some Bible stories, and Stan came over and talked about Christ, and how many times did it take before all of a sudden there started to be a recognition and a change? That is patient love. We don't have this on our own. In our own flesh, we're impatient. 
but because Romans eight or Romans five five says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So he pours his love into our hearts so that we can show this agape love, this patient love to others. So an application question you might ask yourself, are you in a relationship that tests your patience? The more difficult the relationship, the more you see the need for the strength and commitment of agape love. Second characteristic, being kind. It's expressing a generous welcome. The philosopher Plato said, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Think about that. The people you meet, you don't know. You don't know what battles they're fighting. And so be kind. Be kind to them. The Lord always is showing us his unfailing kindness. And so agape love is showing that unfailing kindness to others. And so a question um, might be, oh, I want to tell you this too. Kindness is to be adaptable to the needs of others. It doesn't require people to be just like me or just like you. Very important in cross-cultural relationships. I mean, I've told you before that Dane and I married, and you would think, well, you're probably maybe kind of the same culture because you're the same race. He grew up in the north. I grew up in the south. We have different cultures. And the kindness is not demanding that the other person approach life just like I do. And so being kind to others. When we respond in kindness, it can break cycles of violence. It can break cycles of anger and even retaliation. So being kind, that's an act and a characteristic of love. And so an application question might be, do I become what others need me to be? Or do I demand that they be just like me? Very important. So, in Paul, in this 1 Corinthians, he gives a couple of positive things, and then he turns and gives a couple of ways that what love is not, and then we're going to go back to, again, what love is. So, a total, I think, of about eight positive things, seven negative things, or vice versa. So, agape love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, and it does not demand its own way. So let's break those down a little bit. Not jealous. That to be jealous is to be ambitious, to be self-centered, to be consumed with what you're thinking you need or your desires. Agape love, in, rather, is thinking about the other person. Jealousy reflects our zeal for self-advancement. So we're always thinking about what I want and what, I, even like in a church, what my program is, what my, what I feel like my calling is. But oftentimes it involves a level of comparison. And so we get jealous if we're not getting the attention or not getting the promotion or whatever it might be. So a question that we might ask ourselves, am I committed to seeing others blessed and successful or am I just committed to my own cause? question we can ask ourselves personally and as a church not boastful is a lot of self-talk constantly exaggerating and embellishing your story so that um, you look more important it's kind of a form of bragging and it's often associated with insecurity so there were these two guys joe and matt and they see each other and joe looks at matt and says have you ever thought about asking about anybody else about 
other than yourself? And the other guy goes, well, is anybody else doing anything worthwhile? Am I not the only one doing something significant? I mean, you know, so self-absorbed. Because of insecurity, they're talking about themselves all the time. And I'm not going to show, ask for a show of hands, but maybe you've encountered somebody that just talks about themselves all the time. And actually, they're driving people away, which what they really want is relationship. And so what we don't want to do is drive people away by always being self-absorbed and um, talking about ourselves all the time. Not proud. Love is not proud. It means we're not puffed up. Um, Somebody that's proud is deceived into thinking too highly of themselves, being arrogant or snobby. They're seeking attention sometimes like a child. And in the Corinthian church, they argued among themselves even about they took pride in which leader they followed. Okay, So they were putting leaders on pedestals and saying, I follow this one or I follow that one. And then they were having divisions and conflicts about that. Well, we might ask ourselves, do I put anybody on a pedestal or am I putting myself on a pedestal? You know, that would be a form of pride. Um, On a story, I've got a friend that's quite talented. And, um, you know, a lot of people love this person. It's kind of tempting sometimes to want to take a picture and put it on social media to just be seen with this person. And it's like, no, that's pride. You know, I, that's taking pride. In, you know, that's like trying to make me seem important because, you know, could you be honest with yourself? Have you ever done that or something like that? That, that can create, um, people see through that. And so we want to be loving as a church. We want to um, not be promoting ourselves as the biggest and best because our, there are many churches in the west side. And we all need to work together. We all need to honor each other, lift each other up. All right. Not rude. Love is um, not rude. Being rude is acting inconsiderate of others, being harsh, bad manners, um, acting in a way that breaks the standards of what a culture would say is acceptable. And so um, am I aware of what's considered good manners? When you're trying to do ministry, when you're trying to bridge um, cultures, right, we need to know what is acceptable and what isn't, what would be offensive and what wouldn't be. Am I sensitive to others' feelings? So time orientation. Some people are by the clock. You know, some people are like, okay, it's 10 o'clock, church should start. Some people never look at a clock. Maybe they don't even wear a watch. And what's time? You know, time's when I get over here. And so um, how do we, as I bet there's some of each here. So how do we function as a body that honors each other? And, you know, so the ones that maybe always are running late or not even aware that they're late are thinking, oh, there's some people that would really like to start at 10. I'll try to get up a little earlier. And the people that are, like, sitting here and are ready at 10 to 10 for 10 o'clock to come give a little grace for the brothers and sisters that are just moseying on in because some of them have young children and some of them, some of us just slept a little too long. So, all right? But loving each other is um, respecting and not being rude to each other. 
we haven't talked a lot about this, but, you know, we have coffee before church. And we used to have it during church. But then we realized that it was actually being rude because people were being distracted and couldn't pay attention because they were, people were getting up and down for coffee. So we decided we'll have coffee before church and after church. But during church, the coffee is put away so that we're being honoring of each other. We don't go downstairs and get it while the children are um, having lessons, for one, because it's a safety issue and because we don't want to be rude. We don't want to interfere with their teaching down there and get them distracted. And so that love is not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not putting your own feelings first. It's putting the other person first. It's the other person looking out for the other. It's also not manipulative. So, you know, when you were a kid, sometimes you pitted one parent against the other. That's an action of trying to demand to get your own way. Manipulation is not love. Agape love just speaks the needs and then trusts that things are going to work out. Agape love, let's go on, is not irritable. It doesn't keep records of being wronged, and it doesn't rejoice about injustice. It's not irritable, not easily angered or provoked. It's a combination of two Greek words. One is to walk alongside, and the other one is like having a sharp stick and just poking at it. Okay? So you're walking alongside, and you're just poking. And then that word that means the sharp stick and poking also has the same root as like vinegar. So there's a bitterness about it. So can you imagine walking alongside with somebody? And if you're an irritable person, you're just saying things that just jab you know, and trying to get a, a response. Do Agape love is not irritable. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. If you were a bookkeeper, you would keep meticulous records of your income in and your expenses, and you'd see how it all tallied up at the end. Well, the idea of not keeping record of wrongs is in your mind, are you keeping a very detailed tally of every time you've been disappointed, hurt by somebody, um, you, they did something that offended you? If you're keeping a record of wrongs like that in your mind, that's not agape love. Because what you're wanting is you're wanting retaliation. You're wanting, and, and when that is happening, what needs to happen is forgiveness. The Lord says, forgive your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. And so um, agape love is not keeping record of wrongs. And if we're having trouble, if we're holding somebody hostage in our mind, then it, and we're having trouble releasing that, then it's a time to ask the Lord, would you remind me of your agape love for me? Would you remind me again of what you've released me from? Because then we in turn, forgive even as we've been forgiven. Love does not rejoice about injustice. It's not the, well, I told you so, and then wanting to give a lecture for 30 minutes about it. Yeah? You ever wanted to put your hand on your hip and go, I told you. I just told you. I knew that was going to happen. Well, that, friends, is not agape love you think well that serves them right they're they're getting their just rewards um friends that's not agape love do we um rejoice when we hear about others misfortune 
And sometimes that's put to the test. You know, you may feel like you've forgiven and you've moved on, but then you hear about maybe they got sick or, you know, something happened at an organization or a business where you used to work and it didn't, it was a real difficult time for you. Do you wish them well or do you wish them harm? Do you get kind of happy when you hear that they're going through a hard time? Then that, friends, is not agape love. So does it break my heart to hear that someone that's done wrong to me in the past is going through a hard time? That's a question that might help us to recognize where there's an opportunity for more love to come through in our lives. Agape love, going back to what is it, the positive side, habitually, always ongoingly rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And so we're always elated and overjoyed with truth, the truth of the gospel and the truth in any situation. Love never gives up or bears all things. That means to cover and protect like a roof on a house. That's literally what that picture is, a roof on a house that would bear and cover. So your friend's going through a real storm in life. Joni, let's say your friend is really going through a hard time. You're there like a roof on a house, like you're, you're standing with that friend through that storm. That would be agape love. And so being faithful and loyal and being there to kind of bear up and help support somebody that's going through a hard time. Love never loses faith or believes all things. Love sees the problem but looks beyond them to see the highest potential in every human being. Agape love is not unduly suspicious. Love chooses to believe the very best in every situation. Okay, love is always hopeful. It hopes all things. It expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others, even against the probability. So let's say we've got an uncle that has an addiction. Hopes all things is praying for and hoping for a deliverance of that addiction, that they will get sober and be able to stay sober. Even against the probability of that, agape love is seeing the potential and hoping and praying and watching expectantly for that day that they are sober. We hope all things. Love endures through every circumstance. That means it endures, it perseveres. Now I want to say, there are times when you have to call truth and we rejoice in truth. And so this does not mean when it's saying it bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things, that you, you continue to receive abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. You have to name that and put a, put a boundary on that. Okay, So this is not endorsing staying into an abusive relationship. But what it is saying is that it endures all things. It, love continues to love and pray for even at a safe distance. Okay? It's to stay. Let's just say the call to Gold Avenue Church. We're about 80-year-old church plant. It's endured a lot in its years here. But it was called as a mission to show the love of God to this neighborhood on the west side all right it's endured a lot of things it's endured ups and downs high attendance low attendance almost ready to close the doors but what happened the lord gave faith 
to, and a call, a sense of call that I'm sticking this out. I'm not, we're not going anywhere. We don't have money. We don't have a leader. We don't have a vision. But we're not called to close these doors. That is this enduring love through every circumstance. Agape love does not throw in the towel and quit. And so what does this mean for us as a church? As we look back, we see that God's given agape love, that he has planted this mission, that he's sustained this mission, that he's moved people in and out. But all along, the story of Jesus and the hope of the gospel is meant to go forward. And so we are his instruments. We together are his church. And he's saying, be filled with love. Even if you've got all these wonderful gifts, you can serve, you can sing, you can prophesy, you could speak in tongues, you could um, have mercy and cry tears like, you know, I'm crying when Dwayne is just sharing the story. Maybe some of you are crying too. But if we don't have love to go with it, if we aren't loving people and really caring about each other and about our neighbors, it won't mean anything. And so the Lord is so good because he knows we can't do this in our own strength. We can't love each other. Even in our best efforts, we get tired after a while. But the Lord continues to pour out his love in us. And as we're filled with his agape love, we'll be equipped to go and share the love of Christ. It's so good because the whole world is looking for love. Really, that's what everybody's looking for. Everybody at the gas station, everybody at the grocery store, on the sidewalk, what they're looking for, they may not recognize it, but they need love. We all need love. Ryan, we need love, don't we? We need love. Yeah. Hazel, we need love, don't we? Well, the good news is love never fails. It never, never fails. Think about it. Stan and Jerry and others would not know that the deposits of love were going to come back and be testified about years later. The deposits that we make, the Lord sees, and he'll grow the fruit in the proper time. And so it's in Jesus. And how do we get filled up? We're going to be sent out to serve, but we need to be filled up first. And so even as we get ready to sing this song, we're praying, fill us, and we're also going to partake of communion And the Lord meets us in the meal to strengthen us and remind us of his agape love as he laid down his very life to save us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. We pray that you would make us um, vessels of your love. Lord, that we would be like pitchers of water, that you would fill us with your living water, and that we would just flow out to those around us with your love your grace, and your mercy. Lord, thank you that you give us faith, hope, and love, and that the greatest of these is love. In Jesus' name, amen.